Well, once again, happy Sunday, everyone. Happy Sunday. <laughs> I am so thankful to see all of you here and for those of you online. Thank you for joining us today. I am Krista Erickson, if you don't know me. Um, correction, that's Reverend Krista Erickson. That still sounds as weird to me as it probably does to most of you, despite the fact I've been an ordained minister for a couple of years now. Um, and that's actually the story I'm going to tell today. You know, a few weeks ago, I'm going to sit, otherwise Steve's going to yell at me for pacing too much. <laughs> uh, I was supposed to, to speak a few months ago, and it got delayed, which was fine. But uh, the reaction that I got from almost everybody here was, I didn't know you were a reverend. Because <laughs> so I didn't tell you. <laughs> it was my little secret. <laughs> Sean knew, and a handful of other people knew, but that was pretty much it, because... Um, the title of reverend comes with a certain sense of responsibility that, quite frankly, I don't want. That's Sean's job. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for anybody's spiritual path other than my own. And in fact, my path has been a wholly, wholly selfish one. And I'm not uh, ashamed to say that because I think that spiritual paths should be selfish. We should be looking for our self-growth, um, although community does play a huge role in that. Steve, I apologize. I'm going to run over here to get my papers really fast that I didn't grab. <laughs> okay. So, I am going to give you the Cliff Notes version of my spiritual journey because uh, I realized that, you know, despite being a very close-knit community, there's a lot that we don't know about each other. So I wanted to take this opportunity um, for you guys to know me and what I have gone through. And um, so I'm gonna start at the beginning. I grew up in the Lutheran church. I absolutely loved it. Like I loved, loved, loved it. I did the summer school or the summer camps for weeks at a time, Sunday school. My mom was a teacher and you remember in the 80s, those felt storyboards. Yeah. Oh, I got to take that home because my mom was a Sunday school teacher and I played with it all the time. Like I absolutely adored it. And in the Lutheran Church, when you become of age, which is like 12, um, you start taking <coughs> confirmation classes, which is the equivalent of a catechism for Catholics. And that's when things started to change for me. Because, you know, as a younger kid, you don't pay attention to what you're actually being told in church. You're just having friends with your friends. And, um, but then when you actually have to start studying it, it's like, oh, I had a lot of moments and in class with my pastors who were amazing men and uh, where I would read something and be like, hmm, what was that? I made a lot of faces in that class and, uh, and I asked a lot of questions and um, I was very stubborn and I was very curious. I am told I still have those traits today. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, I, I, I realized that there was a lot that I was being taught that I couldn't put my faith in. And even, you know, and, and if I wasn't going to put my faith in it fully, I felt that I was doing a disservice to myself. So while I did pass confirmation classes and I was eventually able to, you know, it was two years of classes, the grand finales, you're able to partake in communion, which is one of the weirdest religious rituals I've ever done. <laughs> um, but after that, it kind of, that was kind of the end of the church for me. And... It was also the beginning of a very rough period in my life due to some, some family situations that weren't necessarily bad, but as a teenager, I pushed them to the extreme. 
and I did a lot of got into a lot of trouble like a lot of trouble you guys and <laughs> by the time I was 16 I found myself in a locked down detox facility it was the third time in as many years that I had been sent to some sort of rehab and uh, you know the first two times I went I bought it hook line and sinker I absolutely loved it and I left saying I'm done I'm never touching a drug again I'm good and then my, I'd go home and my friends would throw me a party that same night because that's just how teenagers are. So this last time, I uh, in this this you know lockdown facility, I'm the only female, the only one under the age of eighteen, um, probably the only one under the age of forty. And <laughs> there was there was a gentleman that was sitting in one of the open areas, and uh, he was just shaking. He was going through withdrawals so badly so badly and I sat across from him and I just watched him for a while and I had what a lot of people would call a you know a moment of awakening but I prefer to call it uh, more of a, a spiritual awakening because I saw in him what my future was going to be if I didn't decide to make some major changes in my life he was God God was in that man I don't know his name I don't know what happened to him I have no idea what his story is. I never even talked to him. But he changed my life. And what I learned from that is that God shows itself in so many different ways. And that you can get messages from total strangers. And that really started me on a path towards exploring more spirituality because it really was a God moment for me. <clears throat> And I got out on a Sunday, and by Thursday, um, I had called my mom while I was in there. I was living with my father at the time in Minnesota, and I called my mom, and I said, I gotta leave. And I just found out recently, actually, that my dad also called my mom and said, I don't know what to do with her. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a mutual decision across the family. Uh, but within four days, I was on the other side of the country, I was in California, and my life had turned around. I had made decisions to, um, to stay clean and to, you know, be present in my life again, because I was not being present in my life. So I started exploring spirituality, and at this point, you know, where I'm talking the 90s, so I looked into Kabbalah because, you know, Madonna was doing it. <laughs> like, do you remember that? Like, all the celebrities were wearing the red bracelets. Yeah, everyone was doing it, so I, I looked into it, but it was way too confusing for me. Coming from where I come from, I didn't have the knowledge mindset to even read through some of the text without being what you know so i gave that one up pretty quick um but god was still there and i say that because i learned that no matter how different the religion was from what i was familiar with i could still find god in that religion that it so i learned that one wasn't right that there wasn't just one religion that's right for everybody. So that, even though I didn't stick, it pushed me to continue learning, continue studying. And eventually I did what all, you know, angsty teenage kids in the 90s did, and I became a witch. <laughs> I started practicing Wicca, because <laughs> again, that was what everyone was doing, and I loved it, and I found God there. I found all of the gods there, and they were beautiful and powerful, and ultimately, 
I learned that I was too lazy to be a witch. I was way too lazy. There is so much ritual involved. Like, I, you gotta hand it to, you know, to them because they really put it all into their faith. Um, but God, but God was there, and it, it again, I found God outside in something that throughout my life people had said, "That's not God. That's that's bad. That's not." And but no, I saw the beauty. I saw the peace. I saw the love that is exuded in that religion. Um, but that didn't stick either, again, obviously, because I said, like I said, I was too lazy. So it kind of stopped the practicing portion of my faith. And I just started reading. I started absorbing knowledge. Um, and I just, I read everything I could get my hands on. And I ended up studying um, Crystals. I still love my crystals. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I became a Reiki practitioner in a couple different modalities. Um, tai Chi, some oils, like everything. I just immersed myself in all these different practices that may not seem spiritual or religious on the surface, but when you really dig deep, there's a spirituality in everything. And I learned that God was in each of those things and that... Ultimately, you can find God everywhere. And that really gave me peace because I could combine all these different practices. And I started to kind of create my own idea of what God was. Because at this point, I was still searching. I was searching my entire life, constantly chasing God down, trying to figure out where God was and how he fit into my life. Um, and then when I was in my early 20s, in the midst of all of this fun and excitement and that I was having, um, I had a stroke. I had, um, it was what they call an eye stroke. And it was very uneventful. I woke up one day and I was blind in my left eye. And that was it. And I, I'm such a laid back type of person. I didn't even go to the doctor for three days, you guys. <laughs> I just thought, ah, it'll fix itself. <laughs> and um, what I, you know, it took a couple of years, multiple surgeries for me to get my vision back, which I did. It's fine now. Um, but I realized that even God was in that moment. Because at this point, you know, my lovely husband, Tim and I, we had been together for a few years. And we had made a very definite decision that we were not having kids. We, it was not on our agenda. Neither of us wanted kids. It was, that was it. And without going into too much of the medical detail, ultimately, because of the stroke, I ended up pregnant. <laughs> there, I, I, had to, I had to get off certain preventative measures <laughs> uh, because of blood clotting issues. And uh, we ended up with not one, but two very beautiful boys, Irish twins. You know, so they're only 13 months apart. Um, teenagers now that are, weren't even awake when we left for church. Otherwise, I would have dragged them here. But, <laughs> you know, I, I learned that... Even in that moment of darkness, when I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to see out of my left eye again. And my eyes are terrible to begin with. I mean, so losing vision in one eye, I mean, it was basically, I'm already legally blind at that point because my eyes were so bad, like I had to have corrective lenses, you know. So I was like, I may not ever see again. Um, but I learned that while I don't believe in fate, because I believe that we have control over our destiny, I did learn that there is some kind of path that I do believe that our circumstances that we're 
born with, that we're raised with, eventually lead us down. And that no matter what we do, we always kind of end up somewhere where we're supposed to be. Um, so I continued my spiritual journey because I saw God once again and I thought, okay, it's time to keep, it's time to do something new, time, time to keep learning, keep absorbing. And an opportunity came up and uh, we're living in California at this point and the Dalai Lama came to San Francisco or San Jose. I don't remember which one. And we were lucky enough to get tickets to go and be in the presence of His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Oh, and let me tell you, God was with him. God was there. He is the pure expression of divine love and joy and peace. And, you know, the Bible says that um, we have to be like children. And he is so childlike in all the best ways. And it, it was amazing just being in the presence of somebody that encapsulates his beliefs so completely. It was such an amazing experience. And again, I saw God in yet another religion. God was there. And shortly after that, I was, um, I was volunteering on a community project. So I did a lot of volunteering. And I met a woman called Anna. And she pressured me into going to her church. Like, pestered me over and over and over again. I loved her from the moment I saw her. And, you know, and I asked her, I'm like, oh, what do you do? And she's like, oh, I'm a reverend. I have a church that, you know, you should come one day. I'm like, no, thanks. <laughs> nope, not going not gonna to do it. Because I had been there. I was done. I didn't want to do that. I, I had my own ideas and my own, my own faith, my own perception of what it was. And it was literally months. We'd see each other once a week for this project that we were doing. And it was literally months that she'd come to my church. Come to my church. No. Not gonna go, not gonna go. And finally one day she came up to me, she said, look, we're doing a despacho. And I said, what's that? She goes, well, you're gonna have to come and find out. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> so I ended up going to this church because I, again, curious. I had to know what this despacho was. And it's actually a, a Peruvian, Peruvian, excuse me, a Peruvian ceremony of Thanksgiving. And it was absolutely beautiful. And the moment I walked into that church, all of that sense of community that I had had growing up in the Lutheran church came back. It was like all of a sudden I was like, oh, I've been searching and searching and searching on my own because I felt like I was missing something. And what I was missing was that community. So I kept going. Kept going week after week after week. And, and it was a religious science church. It was, um, and the difference between religion, science, and unity is who our founding books were written by. <laughs> so unity follows the Fillmores. Religious science goes off of Ernest Holmes, but they were contemporaries. Um, the Fillmores were here on the East Coast. Holmes was in the West Coast, um, but there was only like a 20-year difference between like their births. So it was, they really were contemporaries. And when you look at the lineage, the, the theological lineage of the thought, it, they share quite a few and they overlap all the predecessors. Um, so they're basically the same thing. And, but I didn't know anything about it at this point. So I'm, I continued to go to this church and I'm like, I had no idea what this is because I had never heard of unity or centers for spiritual living or new thought. I didn't know what this was. I was like, there's actually a, a church that teaches spirituality. I'm like, 
that was, my mind was blown. Like, I had no idea that that was even possible. And so Anna, again, she's like, well, we're doing a class and it's like an intro class for people that want to know more about, you know, the, the founding father. So he wrote this book, Science Mind, which is, for lack of a better term, religious sciences Bible. And I'm like, okay, I'll sign up for the class. It's only eight weeks, I'll do it. So I take the class, I love it, it's eight weeks long. But at the end of eight weeks, we're only like a quarter of the way through the book. And I'm like, well, what about the rest? She's like, oh, well, the next class starts next week. And I'm like, well, what do you mean the next class? She goes, well, actually, there's four classes that are eight weeks each. So if you want to do the whole book, you got to do all four classes. And I'm like, well, okay. So at this point, I'm already hooked. And then she goes, and also, these are actually, we're an affiliated center through Emerson Theological Institute. So these will actually count towards a practitionership, which is um, a step before Reverend. If you want to do that, I'm like, no. I don't want to do it. I'll take the classes, but no. So I continue taking the classes. A year goes by, and I finally get through this book. And I'm absolutely hooked, obviously. Like, I just, I love it. The next year, new classes start up for, you know, the second level. And we go beyond Ernest Holmes, and we start going into the Thomas Troward and Katie and um, Emerson and all these other, you know, theologians from, from the past. And I just love all of them, except Troward. I really didn't like Troward. I had to take that class twice. And then I had to teach it before I actually understood it. Like, oh, I can't. He had a lot to say and he used very little punctuation. He's very difficult to read. <laughs> but I did it. And at that point, it was like, oh, well, you might as well do one more year and then you can become a practitioner. And I'm like, well, I guess. I was still very reluctant to, you know, I was like, I was already on this path, but I was very reluctant to do it because I didn't want that title. I didn't want that responsibility, but I still wanted to take the classes because I was loving them. I've always loved school. So I took more classes and, uh, and then we moved. I was three years into seminary. This is ultimately what it was, is I was, I was reluctantly in seminary school. Um, <laughs> and, and three years in, we moved to Connecticut. And my, my classmates, because it was like, you know, it's a, when you start this, it's a core group and there was a dozen of us. And each year, one or two would drop off. But at this point, there was seven of us that were still in it. And we were so close. And it's, it's a family that, like any other family, because you're talking about all things spiritual. And you're, you're going deep and you're going personal. And they're like, Krista, you can't stop. You're only a year away. Just do it. We'll Zoom you in. And this was long before COVID. So, you know, this was, um, I was not used to this. But I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I'll do it. So then for a year after moving here, I'd, I'd go online, 9 p.m. our time, 9 to 11, and I would take classes once a week. And eventually that class ended, and, or that year ended, and it, um, I flew back to California, and I did my oral and written exams and became a practitioner of religious science. And, um, and after that, there's only two more years left before you become a reverend. But I was done. I was absolutely done. It was, there was no way I was going to spend two more years going to class every Thursday night from 9 to 11 p.m. Like, I was so tired all the time. Like, Fridays were the worst days of the week because I had no sleep, no rest. But, of course, I got talked into it. And, uh, you know, time passes anyway is what they kept telling me. Time passes anyway. You might as well do it. Just come this week. 
just this, just one more week, just one more week, and one more week, and one more week, and one more week turned into two more years. And before I know it, we were flying back to California so I could do my oral and written exams to become a reverend. And, um, but actually, I should, I should take a step back because about six months before those exams, um, I had this realization that my spiritual community was going to end. When these classes ended, they were going to be gone. Because again, this is before COVID. They weren't streaming their services online. They, you know, it, this was my connection to my community. And it's ultimately why I kept going three years after moving here. And I, I told Tim, I said, we have to find a church. Like, <laughs> we have to find a church because what am I going to do? Like, I can't lose that sense of community again. And, um, and I'm not going to lie, like, I had looked at Unity or had found Unity probably about a year before we started coming here. And there was part of me that was scared because when you find that spiritual community, it's like when you've been in one before, you know how powerful it can be in all the right ways. Like it's, it's just, it's so beautiful to create these relationships and to, to be in a room with people that believe the same things that you believe in a joyful, positive way. It's, it's almost addicting. And um, I wasn't ready to put myself out there again at that point when I had first found Unity. Um, but when it came time, it was like, oh no, now I, I need this, I need this. So we, find, we showed up to Unity. And guess what, you guys? We found God here. God was here. <laughs> and from the moment we walked in, and uh, we loved it. In fact, we went home that day. And some of you may have read this story because I shared it um, with when Reverend Sean did his weekly first times. Um, Tim and I had never been to church together. Wow. We had been married um, at that point for 14 years, 14, 15 years. And we had never been to church together because while this whole time I had been going through this huge like spiritual growth period over a couple decades of my life, Tim was happy with what he was raised in. And uh, we went to different churches. Our kids would go to Sunday school with us every other week. Most of the people thought that we were divorced and that we had different custodies of our kids. I'm like, no, it's just spiritual custody. <laughs> and uh, when we left here for the first time, we both said we wanted to go back because we both found God here. And not only did we find God, but we both found God that we could agree on here because that had always been a rough point in our relationship, especially at the beginning when I was a witch and he was a Christian. <laughs> that caused some strife, but we, you know, obviously we've worked through it. And, uh, and unity has brought us together in a way that nothing else had been able to. So, if nothing else, I know God was here because of that. Because that was like, you know, the kink in the relationship. And it was fixed because of this place. So I know that God was here. Um, and along the, along the way, through all the studies that I've done, I've learned so many lessons, so many, that God is both impersonal and highly personal. And what I mean by that is that God is whatever you want God to be. Because we can only have faith in what we can convince ourselves to believe of. 
Because somebody can come up to me and tell me something about God, and if I don't believe it, I can't have faith in that. Faith is a highly personal experience. And I was, you know, curious enough to go through a ton of different things before I finally found found one for me. Um, but I, mostly I learned that I was responsible for my own path. That nobody could tell me what to believe, that I had to find it for myself, as we all have to find it for ourselves. Even, you know, a very pesky reverend who conned me into seminary school. Um, And on top of all of that, during this whole period, right after I became a minister, or or a practitioner, excuse me, I also had an opportunity to do an apprenticeship with a Peruvian shaman. And of course I said yes. I mean, how do you say no to that? So I ended up spending three years apprenticing in the Pachacuti Mesa tradition of cross-cultural shamanism, which is a mouthful, but it's beautiful. And I found God there as well. And it was incredible because I did this apprenticeship at the same time that I was in seminary school. And to be able to find these connections between two wildly different belief systems, I could still see how exactly the same they were, just expressed differently. And it was just so amazing to me, the parallels, not just in those two religions, but in all the religions that I was, I was able to find. There's always these common threads that, you know, and they're taught here. And, um, and it was just so beautiful to know and to learn yet another way to express God. And what else did I do? I also became a certified health coach and life coach simply in order to know how to combine these three. The mental, the physical, the spiritual side of life. Because... I really believe and I've learned that you have to have all three of those in order, in a state of wellness, in a state of goodness, in order for the others to be well and good. There's a balance between all forms of ourself, and we have to be able to find that that balance. And that helped me do that, and it's helped me help others do that as well. And I even found God in those classes that had nothing to do with religion because it helped me find that balance. Um, But ultimately, let me go over my notes, see if I I forgot anything important. (laughs) Oh, I have to share one more quick story about manifestation because that's a huge, huge part of the faith that I have found over these years. Um, The Christmas before Tim and I moved here, We're in Minnesota visiting my father, and we're actually lying in bed one night. And I said, something's got to change. Where we were in California, we weren't in a good place. And I mean that physically, as in the location that we were living had really gone downhill. Um, The area that we lived in, the pollution was terrible. Our youngest son was constantly sick because of it. Um, You know, his job was potentially leaving and we might have to move to Texas. I was like, we don't want to go to Texas. Please, not Texas. No, no offense, Texas. <laughs> Just not for us. <laughs> but we set our intention that night. And we said, you know what? Let's put what we know about manifesting. And we didn't actually have this conversation, uh, this part of the conversation out loud. But the idea was let's put what we know about manifesting and let's create a new and better life for us. And that was Christmas. And by April, Tim was out here. 
was here in Connecticut with his new job, and that's what started the whole move. I had, I had skipped over that, but I wanted to make sure that I threw that in because God was in our move. Our life has improved in every aspect since moving here. And, and I know some people are like, here? <laughs> but from where you know, <laughs> it's perspective. It's always perspective. And this was a huge upgrade for us in so many ways. Um, you know, our youngest son that was constantly sick hasn't had to use an inhaler once since we moved here. And he was on a nebulizer at least once a week. A you know, medical grade nebulizer because his lungs were so bad. The pollution was so bad. So coming here, it was like, wow, God is here. God was, God put us where we needed to be because we didn't know where we wanted to go we just knew we needed to change and we never would have guessed norwalk connecticut never <laughs> i didn't even know it would it existed um, but things lined up in a way that i knew that god was part of that path that god was part of our plan so i'm going to do just a quick reading this is from the science mind You guys, I have so many. Look at this. I have so many tabs. It's ridiculous. Let me see if I get the right one here. Okay. This says, There is no power in the universe with which wishes anyone ill. Life is good and God is good. Why not accept this and begin to live? No man need prepare to meet his God. For he is meeting him every day and each hour in the day. He meets him in the rising sun, in the flowing stream, in the budding rose, in the joy of friendship and love, and in the silence of his own soul. When we meet each other, do we not feel that subtle presence which, which flows through all things and gives light and color to our everyday experiences? In our own souls, in the silent processes of thought and understanding, do we not sense another presence? There is something divine about us which we have overlooked. There is more to us than we realize. Man is an eternal destiny, a forever expanding principle of conscious intelligence. The ocean in the drop of water, the sun in its rays. Man, the real man, is birthless, deathless, changeless, and God as man, in man, is man. I'm going to say that part again. God, as man, in man, is man. The highest God and the innermost God is one and the same God. And I just absolutely love that because it, that really personified everything that I had learned through my years on my spiritual path. That... The God within is the one that we should be seeking. All of this time I had been trying to find God in other places and I, God was there. Everywhere I looked, God was there. Every person I looked at, God was there. But I hadn't learned to look within for God. I hadn't learned to create that personal connection. I kept looking outside when I should have been looking in. So I hope that today I have encouraged you to explore, to deepen your own personal faith simply by going within and finding that spiritual connection to God, the God that is in you. 
as you, through you, around you, always with you. And so it is. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.